I guess as an artist, it's my job to confront my demons. And some of those things come dinga phone, but it's um, that idea of Uzlanda has really been a freeing one because some of it is, is it's spiritual work, it's intentional growth work, but it's also just learning about my family. Uzlanda, you know. This is episode five of Umoya on African spirituality, hosted by me, Atambi Lamasola. And me, Melissa Tando Pongela. The whole concept of the show is about reigniting and understanding African spirituality in the 21st century. We seek to walk this journey with young and elderly people alike, where we become a nexus whereby Singabandu we can inquire together. We've identified people from different fields to talk about how spirituality feeds into their daily lives, be they musicians, healers, teachers, scientists, artists, and activists. Our guest this week is East London-born singer-songwriter, musical polymath, and artist Asanda Mvana, better known by her stage name, Musaki. While studying fine arts at Rhodes University, Msagi began performing solo shows and playing in bands, eventually launching One Shushu Day, her independent label that would later produce her EP and her first solo album, Zaneliza, in 2016. With a community of some of the most renowned musicians as collaborators, including Neo Muyanga, Madala Gunene, Black Coffee, and Duduzo Makatini, Msagi's musical repertoire crosses multiple genres, consistently driven by what she calls the three C's, collaboration, community, and communion. We spoke to Msaki in early March, just after she relocated to Johannesburg. In this episode, we explore healing through music and how it facilitates the ways in which we piece ourselves together. We explore Ogozilanda as an existential and spiritual process that is gentle, graceful, and freeing. Ogozilanda means to fetch oneself, and in the context of this interview, we explore Ogozilanda as a way to search for the parts of ourselves that need healing. So we always start the show with intentions mm-hmm. um, in terms of what we want to get out of the conversation and what we hope. Because, I mean, this is about Umoya and just following where the conversation is for our listeners and for ourselves. Mm. For me, that broadly, I think it's the role of spirituality in your work and in your craft, um, which covers so many things because you're an artist. We see you as a musician publicly, but I know you're an artist, you're a painter, you're a whole kind of intergalactic, talented type person. So I want to unpack what spirituality means for you in that journey. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as... Um, your community that surrounds the work that you do um, mm. and how it, it lends itself to the work that you do and who you are. So you approach your craft in a particular way, even as we see you on stage, but we can see that you've crafted it in a particular way with particular people. Mm. So kind of speak to some of who are your people and who is holding you in this journey. Um, yeah, I think that covers it for me. Mm. Uh, and for me... My intention is to catch a flower in bloom <laughs> while it's still blooming. Mm. And um, or to use your language, to catch a song mm. in, the, in, in, the, in its first mile out into the world. Um, I kind of want to speak about the space that you're in right now, the mm. frontier, the border, the, the, the threshold um, of where you have been, who you have been and who you are becoming. But not to preempt the future, but to just talk about let's get into this moment and unpack right now what's what's happening via your childhood via um the past couple of years mm. uh, your first foray into being a practicing musician and and then yeah and how and where we are right now mm. yeah cool. that sounds good so we usually start off with a very easy question mm. um tell us about your name because my name. So yeah, I used to not think too much of it because it was so common. And wherever I was, there's always another Asanda somewhere down the road or in my class. When I was at varsity in first year, there was three Asandas in my corridor. <laughs> um, and this was an intercom and they were much more popular with the boys. <laughs> so they had visitors all the time. I was like, Asanda visitor. And I knew it wasn't me. I was like, I'm the Asanda that's not going to get chosen. But I... But, 
But actually, I've, I've really come to just steep into the how profound and uh, that like how profound that name has been in my life and how abundance has followed me mm. and I've always just trusted that you know that's that's my life story um attracting a sisanda in my life uh, we just were like okay let's intentionally just expand this idea into the next generation and you know we named our daughter Kwanda Limani you know Limani Kwande we just wanted to really extend that legacy of knowing that they will never lack and that there are people that, that, that create abundance for themselves and for their community. So you know, I try to do too many things at the same time. It's a blessing and a curse. Um, so my name, yeah, Asanda Mando Mazana, the girls are becoming. I was like, why would my parents just say, oh, yeah, more kids? But actually, they were speaking so much more over it, you know, over my life. Um, someone else told me something quite interesting about my name. But it it really was an intention for my parents because the other name that was looked at that was looked at was Zandile. So they, they were they were not, you know, they weren't just counting kids, they were they were there's something else that I think they were prophesying about abundance over me. Yeah. It's really beautiful. Yeah. And you know, please feel free to break out if you want. I wanted to be ready, but I will. Okay. Will, yeah. Okay. I'll try to be sensitive to the moment. Um, she's we brought her guitar, went. everybody. <laughs> so we're looking forward to that. Um, the other question that usually follows that one is: is what is your current spiritual practice, and how did you arrive at it? Oh, my cu- current spiritual practice is quite chaotic because I'm searching, you know, for for balance. I'm searching for some kind of consistency that doesn't feel that feels like breathing, you know. Mm. I I know that communion is it it takes discipline and intention, but I also know that there's an ease about it that just should fit into your life. And I'm and that's what I'm looking for. So I'm in a moment of searching also because I'm coming out of a space of understanding um a very well blueprinted way of spiritual practice. And 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 it's not a recent thing. Like I I was a a person that was completely um immersed in a Christian worldview and community and support system, you know. And I think I, I was talking to a friend about how it's it's difficult to try and f- figure out the same kind of support or similar support, not to mimic the space, but to just be like, okay, this worked for me and it filled this part and this worked for me and it filled this part. But it was already organized and it was already a way that people did things. So now to try and find, you know, s- s- similar ways to... Yeah, feed my my spirit and to feel carried outside of that space has been beautiful and challenging. But what I am seeing is that the community is there. The community is there. It's just not as easy as walking into a building. Like it's a... Yeah. With a cross on it. With a cross on it. Um, take us through that journey. How did you get into um, your Christianity? Because I do remember at some point... Mm. I was. <laughs> in the in the in the sense that I've always been a strange <laughs> one. <laughs> you, you were quite, you know, um, the, I don't know how to put it, but mm. and your music was also quite rooted in there. So mm. can you can you take us through how how you got there and how you uh, you kind of moved away from that space? Yeah, so many things. Like there were many layers of it, but I did find the space when I was in high school. Very, very tough place for me. I just like gone through a series of rejections, you know, just from communities and schools, and 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 I think if I had had a a more open or like a, a more optioned upbringing, I would have known quite early that school is not the place for me mm. as a just as a spirit, as a person. But I found out get through, obviously going to school, and when I got to this particular school, they um were they had a vibrant SEA life which was a student Christian community. And I ended up going to this one camp in Jeffreys Bay, which was another way that Christianity is branded with surfers and and white pastors with long hair. That's It's also a space for rejection and like <laughs> finding yourself other there as well. But I, I went and regardless of the space, music, music and 
it was the band. I was at the back of this tent and it was like a teenage Christian revival in a surfer town that I went to in grade 10. And something happened to to me in the back of that tent. I don't know. Um, even like it's the spirit moved despite Hillsong, despite the whiteness, despite the rejection, despite Yongelando that that came with um, with Christianity, the music still spoke to me, mm. and there was something authentic. I don't know if it was the worship leader, I don't know if it was the space and the time, but uh, I recognized the Holy Spirit in a way that you know going to church Echabe. It, it it reminded me of those hymns and that movement of mm. from the inside that I can't explain. I, I was like, there's something about music. There's something. There's something about a, a you know, surrender in that space. Um, it doesn't need a lot, you know. Um, so I think I started questioning, like, what does it mean to be part of the space, and what does that feeling mean? And I followed it as a spiritual uh, pull. And I and I and I got got into the community with all the questions unanswered, with the space still as problematic as it was, and I kept excusing all those things. But because I did find spirit there, I grew with the space. Um, I ended up going to high school, no, not high school, varsity, and again there was a com- uh, like a kind of Christian community there. Uh, so yeah, it, it it was yeah there was there was different layers, and then what happened. Again, which is which, which was quite significant, erodes. There was another community there, his people, mm. where they had intentionally shut out music from the outside world and music from the franchise of Christian music, Hillsong, and all the other brands that Wait, are. So sorry. Yeah. So it's going. Yeah, the the yeah. pastor had made a, a call, but that comes from the States and the okay. UK and Australia because it's also a very powerful force and brand in the Christian music that it comes from yeah Hillsong, Hillsong. Is, Hillsong is a lot I mm. see the thing Hillsong written but I don't know what it sounds like oh it has a particular sound it's a sound yeah and a brand the it's yeah it's rock meets some mm. contemporary don don and like then soft, soft rock and so, yeah soft rock as I as contemporary like, don don yeah. sing a song so, writer yeah. what what but it has With a particular sound to it. And you know that Ayoya Lapa in a sense. Yeah. But now it's been adopted, I guess, by many, many churches. Yeah. It's kind of a... Yeah, ne- I remember ne- that. When I was there when Tanda was like, no more. Yeah, which is which was wonderful. Mm. So I, I you walked... You guys go to the same church? Mm, I was okay. going to, Hill, to his people for three in, years. In Imakand. Eh, mm, okay. Oh, okay, guys. Let's uh, let people say. See, we're hiding information. Let's also just declare. Declare something. But we we've been in the same spaces since we were children, mm. but we didn't really know each other. Mm. I didn't. I mean, I saw Asanda Eskolin, mm. and I, we knew your family. Like my my parents are very close to your parents, mm. and we grew up being those people above visitana visitana Yeah, and you became more closer to my sister. Um, but we were all, we've all kind of been in the same spaces and I only really met you properly. Um, when, when, after you came back from when you, when you did the fundraising on Facebook for your first residency in, in America mm-hmm. and properly, properly last year, like where we actually, really? like, let's build a relationship. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And get to know each other. Yeah. Um, and yeah, what do you remember about Asanda? Me, I remember she was in my sister's year. I was just telling her before we started. She was in my sister's year, and at least two years ahead of me. And I remember, I, I mean, I, my sister was absolutely besotted with you, of course. She's you guys, amazing. I know. You guys are like two peas in a pod. And she used to tell me about how amazing your art is. So I always like looked up to her because she was just this amazing person. Anyone that my sister likes, I love. So it was that kind of love at first here. And then drifted, and mm. then I saw you again, Echini. Yeah, it was. Uh, but even there, it was like still very yeah, tentative. From us, it was yeah. very weird. And then I left the church. I think we probably left around the same time. I was in third year. I can't remember when okay. that would have been for you. Maybe it was before that for you. Yeah. Okay, and so then I never knew which direction it was. I never, like, I ne- <laughs> I it never occurred to me to go to church <laughs> ever in Gravestone. Um, and then I think it was also your albums. I got an email from you when you were doing mm. Golden Circle mm. and you were fundraising for it. And yeah. 
can we talk about your, your your childhood and family a little bit and home and what kind of home you grew up in um where you met music um inside this setting of home or how you encountered music um just to get a, a better sense of uh, your background yeah my parents well yeah my parents so music you know it was obviously this spiritual thing that happened in church but also my dad was always singing in the house and he's got the best sense of humor and i also realized that music is not a music is not a serious thing we ask Peter Apikichini all day. Ubani unenzende akashamwanga. You play three days. It's like December. You're living your best life, and you're literally Love it. getting ragged in the kitchen, you know. And yeah, it was always a fun thing. There was a piano at home. We'd always get called when people were around to visit to come and play. My family's very musical. My sister, both my brother and sister, play beautiful piano. My sister's an incredible singer, like one of those classical and classic voices, like Mariah meets Whitney meets, like you know, with all the support, all the air support, but also a very gentle, beautiful tone. Um, she was a worship leader at church. That was like how she expressed her musicality outside of her school life, and it's something she still does today, you know. And I'm, I like fall on my knees when I hear her sing, so I know there's something there um, as well. So. Yeah, music at home was just always something that happened. It wasn't really indoor. Even the question, you know, we like grew up. And I know that my dad had a gift of a composer. I know that my dad had a real love for choral music. And he, every time he was somewhere, he would start a choir. It wouldn't be a question that... And it's something that he inherited from his father, who put them through all. They all went through his choirs from primary school to high school. Um Lawrence Rusaseni, who is who was a quite a formidable composer in his time, contemporary with Dada Gamili, mm, who was hey, also composing in that similar. That story, because I didn't know. Yeah, similar time. I didn't know mm, that. It's beautiful. Yeah, so that's it's a gift as well that mm. I think is a generational gift. Um, I know that my other side of the family is also visual artists and some musicians. So that's it's interesting putting that history together. But just mm. starting with my grandfather's songs, I'm already like have my hands full. He's, he wrote many songs. Um, yeah, and I hope to spend some more time with them. I've started to, so... Okay, so the last show I attended of yours, the second last show, it was December, um, where you were performing at the Orbit. Mm. And you had Amakrecha as your collaborators. So I remember Uvui Klubeka with a big drum on the stage. Usisonke. Usisonke Papu. Usisonke Papu. He kind of opened the show and... Um, there was another young woman who was playing Uate. Mm. And the sound and the show and the visuals, and I mean, I was, I was actually, my eyes were closed. I was sitting in the back, my eyes were closed, and I was listening to how different the sound is. This is why I think I'm interested in getting into this space, because it's mm. a threshold between, threshold from, from folk, As Asanda, who I met in, I think, two, six years ago, seven years ago, the first time I kind of, oh, I was like, wow, she's really doing this music thing. Um, and it's very different from Asanda, who collaborates with um, the house musicians and, and mm. these these um, massive names in, in the music industry. Um, how did, can you, can you talk through the progression of how you got to that moment where it was sounding very grounded in, in, Yourself grounded in the Eastern Cape, grounded in um, African sensibilities that, like, I'd never heard before, come from you. How did you arrive at that point? Relationships, I think, because you know, just exposure and understanding that this is not a foreign, scary space, you know, and this happens in layers. And that journey from having this Christian worldview to understanding that, like, spirit is not confined to these spaces, and. 
and the, and the shaking that thing of I'm afraid of the dreams that my grandfather comes to mm. me. I'm afraid of the song that he, you know, gave to me for free at like three o'clock in the morning. When I never wrote it, I woke up and heard it at three o'clock, four-part harmony. And I've always known in my heart that that's a gift from my grandfather, just the way that it was written. And it's so, it's so him, you know, as, as my dad would describe him. But like, um, I, I was afraid to acknowledge those things. And now I'm not. And, and, and unfortunately, some of those fears come from these spaces, you know, that make you question these things that are so intrinsically you. And those were the sound of my dreams. What you heard at the orbit it's not an unfamiliar sound and and as much as like um it's different from my folk stuff it's not it's not an, an unfamiliar sound to me yeah. as in, in the eastern cape and i wouldn't even have heard it nascently because we don't practice ekaya um, you know we don't observe certain things that are cultural and traditional um so where do these songs come from mm. you know where do where do they come from if they're inside of me and what are we so afraid of? And I guess those are the questions I was asking. Um, the relationship part of it is that like you meet one person, you know, I'm, I'm my friend Lundu Dozo, just hearing him, the way that he approaches jazz and the way he speaks about his spirituality, that's one layer of fear gone because you're like, I connect with this person and mm. I understand who they are and they fit in this modern world and they understand all kinds of spirituality, but he's not afraid of the space. Why should I be? And then you meet a song, you know, who I met as a writer and I met as a, a curator of spaces in PE and he became a friend. And then he went through a process where you had to go um, and train as a, as, a, as a spiritual healer. And that comes closer to you and it becomes less scary. And these people, you don't other them anymore. And now that you're not afraid of them and they're in your space, maybe it's a chance for our parents to not be afraid of them, you know. Um, so it's just been a series of relationships that have opened me up to the idea that there are so many ways to access spirit and this, the intelligence that we've had as Africans to speak to ourselves and people that have passed and actually just discovering the kindness in that spiritual conversation. There's so much love. There's so much gentleness. There's so much kindness. It made me so angry to remember how we were taught African spiritual religion as, a, so. as Christians <laughs> at, at soul. But it's fear-based. It's manipulative. It's harsh. It, I was like, screw all of that. Niakoka, guys, actually. Niakoka, in like really, really messed up. And that's that are now, actually eh? unchristian. That's that now. Unchristian. I know, I know. It's happening now. It's very manipulative. And, I, and I'm glad that I came out of that. Mm. And I still understand, you know. I'm, and I'm still in awe that God moves in, in all those spaces. And I'm not afraid of that space, you know, but it's just so beautiful, especially in my musical journey and my and my journey as Imbongi and as Imvomi, Umdu who wants to understand my language and my, my practice and my spiritual, you know, connection to my language and what it means, you know, for my art. It it makes the world of difference not be dealing with fear and mm. suspicion with yeah. your own things and your own people. How dare Christianity do that, mm. actually? And I think it's, I mean, your music, it's so palpable. I'm thinking of the song, it's one of my favorite. There's just something so prayerful about it. And it's, it comes from a place of elite, like your, your album. I guess it's, that's the, the relationship I, I created with it. Just the lightness and the clarity of like, this is someone who has obviously walked a, a journey, but is also still exploring something mm -hmm. as well. So yeah, it comes out very clearly in the work that you do. And so This concept of Ukuzilanda. You like mm. to speak of this con of this concept of Guzilanda. Would you say what you've just described is Guzilanda um, from this sense of disconnectedness from who you, your spirit, your spirituality, your African spirituality? Um, and and so where, where did you fetch yourself from, and and what are you doing with that? Where are you going with that? How do we use that concept of Guzilanda to frame these 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 um, trajectories to frame the ways in which we move so that we can bookmark it or bookend it 
and mm. say, okay, so this generation of kids who were born in the 80s, who were educated in a particular system, who were imbibed fully by that system, one has to kind of take the mask off or disrobe or unpack themselves um, and then before finding themselves. I'm talking about us now, about mm. who were born in the 80s, yeah. about Funde, um, there's, there's, scholars, there's these Model C schools and these private schools which um, are still in full force. Um, I feel like we need a, a device. We need a mechanism. And and the first person that I heard of this, where you used the word, was Landa, was you. And I was like, yes, this is, I feel like we need to take this word and imbue it a lot more with this moment and what it means to be, to break away from some, from, from fear. Yeah, from fear. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you think about yeah, yeah, African people are so smart, and these things are site specific. Like Ugu's land is a site specific activity. You know, um, I don't fully understand the, the the practice. I was reading more about it actually from the pages that I had taken from your dad's PhD. Oh yeah, because oh, you spent gosh. a couple of days in my place <laughs> in December. I forgot. Yeah, I was reading. You know how he explains it, but it's just it, it is a site-specific thing. You can't. There has to be a place where you go and go yours land yeah, when you go you when you're fetching the spirit of a loved one that has passed. And I was thinking about like my little deaths. You know, where did I stop seeing myself? Yeah. Um. And 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 I must revisit that place. I must revisit that little girl that was like. It's a very gentle act. And then yours land. If a family goes. And goes and fetches the spirit of someone. It's a very beautiful, meditative, it's painful, but it's gentle, you know, not shouting at the spirit. So, if, if I think about the sites, you know, the the sites where I've had to fetch myself from, some of it is like, you know, Sub B Standard 1 at, mm. at St. Andrews and DSG, where you realize that, like, you know, and then you form an, an opinion of yourself that isn't true because of those things. Um, and it's to go back and say to that girl, actually, you're beautiful and you're seen and you've got so much to say and you're so important and your voice matters. And that that's something I've had to go and do as an adult, depending on the year at church, you know, the, the, to, to the church or the primary school or where it happens again or the, or the school that rejects me because they can't handle all my flaws and the things that are coming out because of the space of white supremacy. And but they also want you for those very reasons. Mm. Of course. For your mm. talents, your multi-talents. Yeah, they want your achievements. you were good in sport, you they were good in music, you all were good in art. that word. You were an all-rounder, but then they were like, we can't handle that because she's not marching in the line. Mm. So it's all those things where you have to look for the truth, mm-hmm. you know. And, and obviously you see these things in retrospect. Some of them are just like just terrible memories. I didn't even know that was there, mm-hmm. you know. But now as a, and, and, as a, and as a cultural, I guess as an artist, it's my job to confront my demons. And some of those things come ding a phone. But it's um, that idea of Uzlanda has really been a freeing one because some of it is, is it's spiritual work. It's intentional growth work. But it's also just learning about my family. Uzlanda, you know. And because our, you you don't think it's an important exercise because of the spaces that we 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 are raised in, and you're given other people's histories to to behold mm. instead of your own. And so now to go and find my grandfather's songs and to listen more about my family tree and to learn what kind of people we were and what we were good at, those are the things that I can control. The fact that I'm still grappling with my own language and still teaching myself is closer. Those are the things I can control. Um, I can teach my kids, you know, I can, they, they're listening to Umat they have a different future because of the project of Ogus Landa that I'm taking seriously in my art and in my personal life. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's just a site-specific thing and it's mm. just pinpointing and being, and finding a time when you feel brave enough and feel supported enough to go and do it. I literally had to go and do a show at the monument. Diane's a show at the monument. Yes, girl. You can't burn that here. What about the next show? And we're like, yay, this is not a show. I've come to sing the songs about the places that hurt. I've come to sing the songs that um, are helping me, you know, fetch my spirit from, from the places where it died, you know, my mm. identity and collective trauma as well, yes. dealing with collective trauma. Um, I went there and I was ring- singing a song, uh, The Girl Who Hated a Nose, which was just like turning an, a nursery rhyme on its head. Um, How did it go? It was like, <laughs> um, you know, the it goes like this. I know a young girl who hated a nose. 
I don't know why she hated her nose. She, oh, oh no. But it's, oh, it, it, the thing is that it's based on a, it's based on a nursery rhyme that has a ripple effect. And now my brain has shut down because it's such a clever nursery rhyme. Mm. It's the woman who, I know, I, I know an old woman who lives who in a Who swallowed a spider. Oh. I don't know why she swallowed, no, she swallowed a fly. Yes. I don't know why she swallowed a fly. fly. So she swallowed a spider to catch the fly. So what was the concept of the song? Because it borrowed that idea. So she hated her nose. Oh, and then she, she bleached her face to match her nose. She straightened mm. her hair to match her face. This whole like right. self-hate mm. journey that we take as young black girls because of you know some silly idea that to be neat at school, your hair must do this and it mustn't do that. It must behave this way and not... And those are things that we, you know, you you you're just taught at primary school. Well, they're school. as natural as those 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 things are as natural as these tunes. The 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 way the rhythm of the songs, London Bridge is falling mm, yeah. down, falling as as natural as that that sound or the sonic qualities of that, the way that song goes, mm. are in those spaces mm. compared to if you were you're growing bella. up in a different different setting mm. where you you, you know tulling on I wish I could remember Ngoma as a Krish because they were nice. Like at Noma said. I love this idea of Ukuzlanda because when Millie mentioned it, I was like, oh my gosh, are we perhaps having the same conversation without even realizing it? Because last year, I went and spoke a UNISA. And we're going to come back to the music thing because for me it's all about, you know, there's a particular kind of generational music which Umilia was trying to to pick up on. Um, so last year I go and speak at UNISA. So my research is in like black women's historiography. And I was trying to add a new angle to talking about Rashalat Maklagan and Nunzizim Kwaito because, you know, there's been so much been written about them but not a lot at the same time. So... Can you mean and I'm like, this is it. I'm gonna use this and I'm gonna use it in my thesis as well. But this idea of Ukuzlanda, um that we're fetching ourselves. So I'm gonna read what I actually wrote. In the African discourse, memory is an act of Ukuzlanda, to fetch oneself and connect oneself to the past and the present moment. Talking about Mama Klega and the long list of women who still who are still not part of the public imagination or general knowledge amongst our children is an act of Ukuzlanda. So we do it in the work, we do it in the music, and it's almost as if Nina Nitunyiwe to do this work of Guzilada at a more, because music does that, it's, it's, it's not hidden. So, I mean, my work is in writing, but yours is far more public mm. and far more um, accessible um, in a way that my writing isn't. But I, 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 I think I sent you a message last year, it's almost like, but obviously, Actually, I Well, I mean, you do. Yeah, sorry. No, yeah, I know that because you introduced me to Rukan. But, um, but it's like there's a, there's a message. There's a subliminal something that's happening. And I mean, it's as, it's as explicit as it is in your music. But there's also, it's like an invitation that Nismemela Goyo about this idea, Yogozlanda, and tapping into something that our generation specifically needs. And... Yeah, I don't know if you could say more about that and the kind of conversations that you're having amongst each other about your music and what it's doing for our generation. De- definitely, I think we are looking for the same song. There is a we're catching the same song and we're expressing it in different ways because there's just a desperate need. We're lost. There is a lost. You know, it's not a it's not a panic, but it is. If you think about having to find the site of of a of a tragedy sometimes it's not you don't have gps's to find you mm. know to go to see to find where where the thing happened and sometimes the the seeking is what we have in common and yeah if i think about if i think about oh you know even these, these musicians you're talking about man the search is real guys mm. and we and we really need each other and we're trying to make sense of things that we're not really a lot that isn't really passed on explicitly from you know the older generation we're missing a lot of wisdom that could have been passed on but now nah, you know 
is is you don't information skip them because of of certain reasons or it's difficult to share things because of histories but sorry this is the thing about music though this is the thing about music is that you remember songs you were never taught mm-hmm. i'm sitting there mm-hmm. thinking i know the song and i feel like i've heard it somewhere in a dream around a fire when i like something as like it's it's yeah it doesn't it's not confined to time and space mm-hmm. it's not really about someone someone in, um like my dad my dad i'm thinking about all the unsaid conversations between us but somehow i'll still catch the soul of the conversation and there's so much grace you know so when what i've found is that the little bit of seeking gets rewarded with so much information that one conversation or that time you take a chance to be like dada they would turn up there's so much that you get downloaded like mm. there's so much that's given even when he isn't speaking but mm. just the 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 act of seeking is always rewarded so yeah, it's a constant process and i think all of us are doing it in our different mm. ways especially through the writing through the music through you know the healing work all of it it's necessary mm. yeah this is well it's such an interesting thing to me when i first went to speak to her she's like the body always remembered i was like what analysis but it literally it, the body exactly like i've heard the song before i know mm. what this is it's your body reminding you i think you call it like an ancient dna yeah that mm. kind of almost kicks in because you're searching ordinarily it wouldn't have kicked in because you weren't searching so that's his people and then the minute you open up that portal the body remembers someone is gracious enough on the other side to be like akwaik haindana nanzindo and for me it's just been that gift of and that 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 the doorway it's not really a doorway that threshold the seamlessness behind the gifts that we have right now and the gifts of the people who are communicating them to us i mean i can't understand how it is that all these black women that i'm writing about have come to me and it's and not related to any of them but somehow that i find cool information yeah. about it so it's that that grace and i like that word of like that the the, the body's constantly reminding us that there was something else and that this continues that mm-hmm. msebenzo it is also to make sure that the songs continue exactly. the words continue because it is vital exactly mean that abilities to doing you the work that you're doing atemile the work that you're doing the work that i'm doing the work that our contemporaries are doing a few months ago i was in a deep meditation and I just felt my two great grandmothers and grandmothers say to me, "We have done all the suffering that we that needed to be done. You guys are here to heal. And by healing yourselves, you heal us." Yeah. It was as clear as that. But yes, there's there will always be suffering in the world through all manner of reasons. But ours right now is to figure out how do we heal using these gifts. And so it's not a mistake that you've ended up with all of these old spirits and you are asking the questions that you are asking. first struggle song i heard was a rendition of um ncile langa ikuqenga madolo that we used to sing as a war cry but i heard it in the context of my primary school or high school war cry yo ikuqenga madolo ihandaile langa ihandaile langa ngokuthi nomizanda ngela xa shigama like imagine it for me i just found it so astonishing that we as children somehow imbibed and i didn't know this and i just dang dangena namda i'd harmonize nangena kundawe yam and no one taught me the song but I've, what i found so astonishing is that song was mm. always a war cry but i just found it astonishing that we were able to without being instructed no one sat down and said okay guys so chinjinga ngomso ekuthi anc okanye psc suzothi hanta getens kitchen i i find that we 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 used it as a form of survival because obviously I mean look what I was going to they didn't want us to sing those songs. They were very nervous when we were singing those songs because well the clicks. 
and the fact that it's very threatening. And the minute one person sings it, we all follow and we jump and we stomp. And it's not as coordinated. It's very coordinated, actually, but it's, it's not, not as ladylike. Ladylike mm, hats. I say, boom, a take a boom. It looks like a toy toy, mm. maybe. It does. <laughs> and then we go mad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that yeah. that the section and the clap. And all the ones, everybody would sing. Even if you went in that house and you're black, you would be like, I'm Yeah. So, yeah, that's, this, this kind of is an extension of this idea of these songs that are ancient and they, they pass themselves through time to us I want to touch on what you spoke about just to go back and the, the relationship with the people you collaborate with you've mentioned Uduzo Neo Matalagun and I saw the beautiful show that you did in, in Durban what's been that journey in terms of because for me I mean seeing you Matalagunene and Neo on stage for example there's a whole interaction there that's got so much depth that kind of adds another element to this process goes Landa and the collaboration and the intergenerational work that your music allows you to do. Back to relationships again. And I think I'm, I've been really blessed, man, because now I'm, I don't know. I've always been, I need safety, you know, even my band. Like I'd take a long time and I'd cultivate all these friendships because um, I think that's the thing about creativity. You really, you, if you're in an open mode, you're in a vulnerable space and you want to, um, mine yourself, you know, of emotions and, and, and really translate that as purely as possible. You don't want to do it with people that are just here because, you know, you're paying them or whatever. Those relationships, they mean a lot and they mean, they've, they've meant everything to me. And fun, funnily enough, like, what I'm finding as I get um, more noticeable and, and more popular is that it's pulling me into a space where those relationships are all bought and those relationships are all ex changeable and at the same time I fear that and I understand why people do it um, because it's a lot of work, it's admin to care for people and to call them when you don't have shows I mean I spoke to Matala the other day like, and I just felt myself really missing him because he's a beautiful person and he is so generous you know, with with himself and, and, and his music and, and just his understanding of how, what music is for and so I, yeah the relationships are always important and they do put you in a space where even that, like, because you know, because now you're realizing that Umdu is here to combine their sound, the things that they behold in their spare time. That you, there has to be synergy. There has to be something else beyond the music that really connects you all. You know, because Nitbani sa umi moya ye nunonke, and what does what do you, what are you saying together? Uh, and that's always been something that, like, I've I've hope, hoped will guide me to make the right decisions about collaborations. Even the, I'm thinking even like a person like Black Coffee, what a beautiful spirit, completely yielded to the creative process. One of the most profound experiences I've had as an artist to learn about creativity and collaboration because of his commitment and his patience and the fact that he's chasing the soul of the song. Mm. Yes, it's a house track, but it's one that we sent back and forth 20 times to find what the song was trying to say through us and what we had to say together. And I find... Um, I find that commendable and really inspirational. And so I think I've been lucky, yeah. And maybe, and maybe intentionally wanting that and, and seeking it. In fact, I, I remember I was, I was in this residency that you, that you mentioned earlier in the States and I was thinking about being a musician, like being like, okay, I'm giving this to my life. I'm giving my life to this thing. And I prayed for family. I was like, may I always have family with which to do this with? And my first, immediately my first band was one of my best friends who played, um, violin Ella mm. one of the most gentle oh, caring 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 spirits mm. like she's a such she's a carrier mm, and a supporter nurturing. a nurturing mm. spirit and she was in my band as a violinist and as a collaborator and, a, and as, a, as someone to bounce ideas off so I've, I've just from the beginning I've always just been been lucky with that yeah. mm. it's really beautiful communion has such a, an important word in my life if I ever had to give a preach <laughs> just like, give a preach if I ever had to give a preach I'd be like me like creativity, community, communion, but like communion, creativity, and community. Mm -hmm. It all kind of, you know, the, uh, those would be my three C's. But 
it all comes from this place of like seeking communion with spirit. That's how music started for me, even as a songwriter. It was it was to heal. It was to um, retreat. It was to regenerate because I was struggling with the outside world, you know, and I needed to find some kind of rich inner life. Like I needed to know that I had an inner inner world that could carry me. And I needed to understand, you know, why spirit was talking to me and what these internal voices were saying, and that's why I started writing. So I started writing songs, um, and then it's, it spills out. The, the the creativity is like a byproduct of feeling full in that space. It's like an overflow of feeling connected and seen and loved, you know, by that love, by the, by the greater love, by that actual the greatest love, you know, the creator and the creative force. The, it, it's interesting that like once we feel full and loved by that force, the next thing that happens is that we create. That's why all kids are creating and making stuff and completely not stressed about it. It's just a byproduct of who they are. They're always creating. Mm-hmm. And what is it about being uh, here that teaches us out of that? So I think reaching out to my community, I've always seen that like my work is to try and um, outside of my own music and performing, it's always to try and create spaces where we for- we remember that we are creators and that we're loved, and that communion. A lot of it has got to do with like a lot of the byproducts in a healthy communion space and a healthy creative community is that people make beautiful things, mm. you know. And it's just we can't help it. When we feel loved, we make beautiful things. Um, we create beautiful things. So those are my three C's. Amen. Can you talk about the the models um, just on a practical level now when you're talking about community musicians uh, or the the role of music in our lives? Can you talk about um, that model that you experienced at that retreat when you went? Because you were telling me about it the other day and I thought, yes, a lot can be learned from what that space, how that space helped you birth yourself and birth your voice. Um, Just to share what that experience was like because I'm sure you're not the only artist that's searching deeply hmm. um, and quite actively for this idea of communing together and creating together. Yeah, beautiful place. And my, and the, my friend I mentioned earlier, Ella, is the one that, that made me catch the spirit of this place. She went there and experienced it. And I was like, wow, I want whatever happened to you. Because when she came back, it was just so, she was so disarmed and so free you know, in her creativity. I first noticed it there as a worship leader, as a you know person who, who I found her fearless and ferocious and rooted in, in humility and confidence. I was like, what is this confident, hum, hum, humble thing that's going on here? You know, because a lot, a lot of the times in those spaces, what you're confronted with is either overconfident people or people that are like, falsely humble. And that both of those things are actually quite hurtful to the creative process. Um, so the first thing that happened when we got to this crazy community in the no- woods of North Carolina is that they told us to put all our pens, all our brushes, all our cameras, all your creative tools down. Don't make a damn thing, mm. you know. And for two weeks, we were just being loved. We were being extravagantly loved, like cooked for well, taken care of well, people making sure that we're sleeping and eating and just being told before you pick up your pen before you write a fucking paragraph, <laughs> you are so important um, and so valuable and you already are loved, you're seen. And I mean, that was communicated in different ways. That's done in small groups. That's done, you know, over you as a big group. That's done for you, to you and with you, like individually, with one-on-one sessions with leaders, just trying to find out like what makes your heart beat, like what makes you tick, what, why do you want to create, but also... Just that process of being validated before Wednesday, anything, and being told that look, you may make beautiful things, but the beautiful things are not you, and you are, and you are not your songs, you are not your your writing, you are not your paintings, you are not your photographs. Um, those things don't make you more lovable or less lovable. You know, that was a, yeah, and that that had a profound impact on me because it it goes back to that 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 idea of needing to feel seen and valued and. And validated and full first, even to be able to create. Um, I know some people that were coming from like long careers and they were exhausted, and some people were coming from ministry and they were burnt out, and some people were 
um, just needing to hear that, like before you make anything so tabil, like so tandiwe, you know. Um, and then the equip- and then the equipping began. After that, it was just like uh, imparting lots of creativity, imparting a lot a lot of um, confidence and a lot of encouragement. So that's interesting to me that that encouragement is integral to the creative process. And in spaces where people are, and if you think about the creative industries, they're so competitive. Mm. Like they're set up for people to to compete, and they're set up for people to not see each other. Then they're set up for you guys to not even have time together. If you think about like a a mega festival, there's a revolving door of a change room where you can't even meet and chill with the next act. So that's why I've always like I've always seen it. Anytime you leave creatives. Give them space to be together and to celebrate and encourage each other and to not feel like the space is competitive where each one of them is is told over and over that you bring this thing and it's so beautiful. The most amazing collaborations happen there, but the industry is not set up that way. How do we set up alternative creative spaces where we get to commune, we get to break bread together, we get to spend time with each other outside of performing, and we see like because we're not competing, we're, we're all trying to, to look for the same song. Mm. That space changed my life, seriously. So really profound, yeah. very. Mm. And the thread that love... I mean, this idea that it's still rolling over in my head. When you feel loved, you can create anything, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that that's what children do. But it's this counterintuitiveness that you almost have to then search for it once you enter the industry yeah. and curate it once you enter the industry. That's crazy for me. And it's all just remembering. There's nothing new. Like you're just remembering what it is that you knew as a kid when you when you yeah searching for things that we've forgotten. Mm. The ancient song in all of us. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so let's talk about now. Before before we end off, where are you right now? What are you working on? I I I, I had caught a glimpse of your rendition of Udiram. Some come with Udiram. I love that. Love that. That game that we used to play. No beginning. Which one is that? Beginning. When I heard that, I was like, what? What? So beautiful in Seriously, what is that? And why do we all know it? <laughs> oh my god. It. It's hilarious. And now there's like that WhatsApp screen gap going around of actually what the <laughs> lyrics are. We don't have time for that. No, there's no time for that. No one needs to know. No time for that screen grab. This man. By sure. Even now, Timothy saw. Ah, you know. Ah, Timothy saw. Timothy saw. He saw. Timothy saw. You saw. Timothy saw. I don't need to know. A bomb on the wall or something like that. Yelele ma. Timothy saw. He saw. Yelele ma. Alaga bam bam bam. Please, there's no Timothy there. <laughs> no, guys, it goes with <laughs> the the uncrypting of people Exactly. Who wants to know Yeah, I know. I, know. I mean, I just, it was just a, a lead on to, to talking about your current project and what you're working on. Um, I know it's called Platinum Heart. Yes, I don't even know if that's good. We are working title Platinum Heart. Yeah. Yeah, I'm working with a really good friend. Um, just thinking about how the project is now becoming love and protest songs. Mm. It takes me back to the first time I listened to one of Budneo's talks where he was talking about a love song in the time of turmoil being protest. Like well, the fact that our, like, our parents could fall in love when you could get raided at two o'clock by, by cops. I mean, just it was just an idea that I didn't think would stick and follow through in the project. And what has survived is these songs that I started writing because I was hurt, you know. I was hurt um, looking back at these wounds that I was—I said I was revisiting through the music, but also some of the collective wounds when when this, 
what is so apparent that this this violence against women is just going to be part of the fabric of our society when it was like a shock to my system that like Marikana really happened and still, you know, we still have these questions that are unanswered. The songs came from very, very sore places. And I think I had enough to release an album then just from the pain, you know. I went through a personal experience where I had to go through a sexual harassment court case and there was stuff that I needed to deal with there as well that was just painful. Um, but somehow, somehow in the midst of that, like even with, with, um, with the guidance um, of, of Neo and, and the, being with the family that I have and the friendships that still get cultivated within these, you know, in between these moments that are, that are just like little social media explosions, but there's life to be lived in between those hashtags, you know, and that love could still live there. And there mm. were still these moments where I was inspired to write love songs, really, you know, I, I felt so mad. I, I was shocked that I had things to say that were were different to to marking those um, those monuments, making those emotional and, and musical monuments to the places that were sore. Yeah, in between, I was surprised by love songs, and and here I've got this work, you know, that I'm, I think is is almost ready. That also I was able to cultivate in a, in a place where I felt held and seen and completely encouraged, like before, because that was, that was the thing. Even before I started writing these songs, I was in, in, encouraged and validated as a voice and as a and as a creative, you know, by this friend of mine who, like, you know, for two years took the time to get to know me before he could work with me creatively and collaborate and say anything about my process because he wants to be able to do it with and as, you know, as I would, which I think is is also a good gift, like a very beautiful gift that I've received in this journey. So, yeah, I'm ready to get the, to the, to get the music out there. Mm, can't wait. Yeah, finally. <laughs> no, it's been yeah. a long time. It's been but really I, I like that it's I like that you didn't stop at the protest part of the of the mm. project yeah. and put those songs out they're necessary but it's also necessary to 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 complicate these spaces with the fact that we do love there's, a, there's we do have joy within those moments mm. um, and but i think that nuance is, is important for love right we don't see it that way that people have, are saying i've had enough mm. i love myself too much or i love my people enough too much to let this continue and we've never seen that conversation Oh, I don't know. That. We find it difficult to see that conversation. I think a protest is an act of love. Mm. Of course, I, th I think it's an act of love. But if you look at the past th three, four years, um, fallism and um, where it was left, we were kind mm. of left at the expression of the anger mm. and the people who were expressing the anger. What was catching them? What was catching their hearts and minds and spirits and souls to say, yes, guys, because this is our Zabalaza for <laughs> a very long time. Mm. However, are you okay? And, and that's what I'm talking about. That's mm, that's okay. the, the importance of those two things coexisting, not one without the other, mm. because that's kind of erasing realities. But it, it's, it's a reality that I'm angry, but I'm also in love with someone. And and, and the, 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 the nuanced kind of overlapping nature of life mm. um, has to kind of be held so that you're not left hungover at the end of me listening to a, an album or left too angry at the end of watching a documentary about race, you're like, okay, yeah, they've named the things I, I know, or, or a documentary about um, rape. Yes, they've named the things that I know, but what what do I do now? How else is, is are other aspects of me represented in this? And I think it's it's important that as, as writers, as creative people, as musicians, we bother ourselves by nuancing the states of emotion that we are trying to express. This is, but this is the thing. I think being friends with you—that's uh, that's been my challenge because you've, you really—I caught that spirit from you, that like it, it, the, the healing part is. It's so important, and I'm reminded. I went. I was invited to to UCT, but by the fine art department and some friends of mine that had family there, they were just tired. They had been protesting. They had been falling, you know, like they had been part of the the fallist movement. And they were, and and maybe maybe the invitation came initially because of protest music that I was working on. But when I got there, I was like, no, they don't need to hear me sing about blood guns and revolutions and people getting shot and whatnot and tased and the fact that the system doesn't love us. They don't need to hear that from me. And I literally spent an hour soothing. 
Mm. I spent an hour soothing tired people that are really, really hurt actually at the core about what is going on, like emotionally hurt and exhausted. So um, that made me think about the creativity and how it's been given to me as a tool to firstly go to the places that hurt. Even my first album, it's not a protest album, Mm. but it's a, it is, it is, it is embracing loss. It is embracing pain. But I've always known, even in a set, that like, that's a gift. Sometimes people can't hurt, and they and they don't have the bravery to to go to a wound and and leaving the fragrance of that in the room and letting them, giving them the chance just to cry. Because that was the first thing I was like, oh, tears are not an enemy. Mm. We need this for healing. If you if you if you make a space where people can actually just release, that's a good thing. But we can't leave them at the bottom of the ocean. When are we all gonna come up for air? And this is the thing that that I think Millie, like, you really inspired me to do now intentionally. Luckily, it happened to my it happened to me um, by chance, and I caught the lesson in my first album. But now I'm like, what is the intentional act to come up for air together? You know, when we've gone to the place that is is really sore. You know, what is the what is what does it look like to come up for air and to seek joy as a, as a as a community as well? So that's the challenge. I think, with the work all the time. Mm. Mm. And that's more challenging than naming the problems. Mm. It's more. Mm. Yeah, we don't know how to sit with vulnerability and that's the beauty of music, at least for me. I was visiting a friend of mine who's in a um, a psychiatric hospital the other day and it looks very nice, very well-furnished and like a hospital come cafeteria like space where we were sitting and she was kind of telling me what they do all day all the therapy sessions like and they draw and they color and they write and they exercise and they do all these kinds of things and i asked her you know what's missing from you and she said you know i wish we could sing here Mm. there's no singing isn't it strange that that in a place where people are dealing with mental illness, which is not easy to pick up, it's not a broken arm that you can see by all of harness on their arm or whatever, that they they haven't used the device of music to facilitate the healing that human beings need. And she was saying, all of us in here, we sit, we talk, intellectually we get everything. We understand what the issues are. We understand what our problems are. We know people love us. We know people care about us. We know but it doesn't connect to the heart. There's no connection. There's a, it breaks somewhere around the throat area and you don't feel a need to live anymore. Even though you know, oh yeah, you know, I have a husband, I have a child, I have a girlfriend, I have a mother, I have all these people that adore me and love me. You can know it intellectually, but it can't end short die. And I just, I, I was like, I want to go visit her again and and take a group of us just to go sing Mm. and see what happens in that space. Because when the words fail, it's been we have this device, we've had it as human beings, and it's worked for thousands and thousands, thousands, thousands. I just remembered something. What you're saying. um, This is definitely the thing about music. I don't know if we're out of time, but I don't care. No, we're not out of time. So the place where I went that changed my life was called the 18-inch journey and it's exactly what you're talking about, how things that you know, how does that journey happen? Because apparently there's 18 inches between your head and your heart, right? And in this time where we're told pens down, paint brush down, this is one of the songs that they sang over us. Firstly, there was a song that, that went, Yes, 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 over me. I hear them say, I hear them say, This is my beloved. Oh, yes, 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 over me. I hear you say, I hear you say, this is my beloved and the other one was you are an endless ocean a bottomless sea 
Spirituality is a Kaya FM podcast created by Atambila Masola and Milisutando Bongela. Together with our producer, Gafusom Nisi, the executive producer, Ngabagazi Manzi, and our editors, Spaman Layende and Gafuso Shabango. The songs you heard in this episode are from Saki's album, Zaneliza, How the Water Moves, and a live performance we attended at the Orbit in December 2018. And our theme song is titled Tuli Mama by Tabang Tabane from his 2018 album, Machale. We'd love to hear from you. Please email us on umoya at kayafm.co.za for any questions, comments, or general feedback. Otherwise, follow Kaya FM on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. New episodes out every second Thursday.